This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Each week, we bring you a podcast hosted by the sisters and your new best friends. If you feel like you need something to do, then buckle up, baby, we got news for you. My name is Kayla B. And I'm Stacey K. Turn up the radio, because you know it's Tuesday. Don't hold back, we keep it real. So let's pump each other up and take over the world together. <laughs> I have to call my sister. Hello, siblings. Uh, welcome to I Have to Call My Sister. Hey. Hey, No, don't do that. They hear it at the uh, end, too. <laughs> okay. Um, today, we are so excited. We have someone on. So, this episode's going to be a little bit different than what you are all used to. Um, her name is Cheyenne. We just had a full hour podcast with her, and she is, like, one of the kindest, best most awesome human beings. Um, this this episode, check, check. Can you like, hear me like echoing? This episode is going to be like heavier than mm-hmm. than we usually do. Like, you know we're all about just like putting it all on the table or whatever, but today is like a very um, serious issue. It's about sexual abuse and she is a survivor of sexual abuse, but like also has layers upon layers upon layers of the story. And honestly, I feel like she has like made me a different person like think just thinking a different way in life mm-hmm. i don't know um so anyway she basically um so trigger warning this this episode is about sexual abuse um but i also feel like as a sexual abuse survivor if that is you it is something that you actually will want to listen to because it's relatable and um it's just just her mentality is just something i've never seen before um so she wrote a memoir um it's available for everybody to read but she's going to basically give us like obviously you can't talk about it all in an hour but she's going to give us like the synopsis of the wild wild things that have happened in her life yeah so we're so grateful that she came on our podcast to tell her story and we hope you guys appreciate it as much as we did Um, you're interrupting this podcast right now to let you know that we are having a contest the prize is amazing and it's coming up soon so one of my besties Lily Connor she works in Toronto at the restaurant Fresh and let me tell you Pride Month in Toronto is unlike any other the vibe is amazing the people are amazing the hustle and bustle of the city during Pride Month is just like iconic and I wish I was there but I can't be there but guess what you can okay so what you can win are two tickets to the fresh drag brunch on June 11th okay so this is coming up very soon June 11th what you get is one brunch entree and one fresh juice or mimosa and like if you haven't been to fresh before it's literally in the name it's the most delicious food and the most delicious drinks ever and if you haven't been to a drag brunch before you are missing out and if you have you know how fun and amazing it is so we are giving away two tickets so what you have to do is go to instagram comment under the post you'll see the contest there comment um let us know why you think you should win and then two lucky people will get to go to something that i wish i could go to and i wish i could win but alas i can't be there but you can all right good luck so fresh baby so fresh baby yeah hi cheyenne how are you i'm great how are you guys Good. Thank you so much for coming on here. We're doing uh, one of those Zoom interviews. So I always find it 
it wild when we do Zoom interviews because it's like you basically have to become fast friends with somebody. Like we just met T minus 10 seconds ago. You yeah. popped up on our screen and now you're going to tell us your life story and we just <laughs> yeah. all have to be besties and just put it on the table and it's just through a weird computer screen. Isn't that wild, the future? <laughs> it is, but I love it. I think it's so cool. Just like, to, how, else, how else would we ever meet each other? Right? No, I know it's true. I know it's the best thing ever. How, first off, where where do you live? I am in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Whoa, USA baby, that's we're, amazing. We're Canadian, so we always think that US USers, <laughs> US of Ayers are like the coolest people ever. Yeah. She has oh, a well. You might be the only ones. <laughs> <laughs> she has a really cool headboard or like a thing for her bed. Just we, it's but it's your daughter's. It's her room. daughter's, yeah. Yeah. So what what's your daughter's name? Light. It's the best light in here. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. She found her light. I like that. <laughs> what's your daughter's name? She's Lola. <gasps> Lola. And how old is she? She will be four next week, actually. Oh my, okay, I love that name so, so much. Oh. And I did see a picture of her and she is adorable. Just Thank to throw you. that out there. <laughs> um, so we were explaining in your intro that this is a little bit different from what we usually have on our podcast. It's a it's a bit, um, you know. Heavier of heavy, a topic. Yes, exactly. But one thing about our podcast, just so you know too, is that like sometimes our episodes are funny, sometimes they're super honest. And one thing that we think is really important is awareness. And mm -hmm. um, we, we talk about everything on this podcast, we don't ever um, shy away from any topic. And so we thought it would be perfect for you to come on today just to share your story, which as a reader is like super traumatic, but then you've somehow turned this trauma around. So I guess like, can you start from the beginning? Like, I I, I know that's like a wild thing, but like, yeah. is, that, is that okay? Yeah, totally. So... Um, I wrote a book, a memoir, called Honeysuckle and Cigarettes, Confronting Family Secrets So That My Daughter Doesn't Have To. Which I love um, that name so much, by yeah, the way. Thank you. Thank you. And it sort of came about, so I got to kind of, we're going to jump around here a little bit. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So when Lola was born in 2019, I had really bad postpartum anxiety and depression and and like to the point where I didn't know if my marriage was going to last. Like I didn't feel like I was cut out to be a mom. And so I ended up in therapy and in therapy, I started confronting some traumatic events that had happened in my life that I really repressed and never dealt with. Um, and so that's kind of what the book is about. It's this journey through confronting these secrets and healing from them so that I'm parenting from a healthy space and my daughter isn't inheriting these generational issues that mm -hmm. are in my family. Can I ask um, you a question? When you went into therapy, was that something that was like wild for you to do that you had never done before? Or is therapy something that has like been throughout your life? So whenever I was a teenager, well, preteen, my parents tried to make me go to therapy because <laughs> um, <laughs> I was struggling with like some depression and anxiety and just mean girls, you know, that, that age. Yeah. And I just was like so stubborn that I would just sit there and stare at the therapist and <gasps> not say anything. And I actually <laughs> wrote about that like in my memoir, like how totally different the two experiences were because this time around I was like, please help me. Like, here's my life story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this would be my, technically my second go around with it. Um, yeah. But now I'm like, so pro therapy. I think everyone needs to go to therapy. 
there's not one person who's like so healthy that they don't need to talk about their feelings. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So anyway, back to the story. Um, So the first piece of trauma that I really like had to dive into, especially having a young child was whenever I was six, I was molested by a family member. Um, And it was something that I had never told anyone ever. Like my parents didn't know about it. No one in the family knew about it. My husband didn't even know until we had been married for like four years. Like I just, I'd repressed it so much because I grew up in a very like purity culture, small conservative town. And I was preached to constantly that if you had sex before marriage, you were dirty, right? You're not valuable anymore. Mm. And so in my head growing up, I was like, well, I'm not pure. Like I've been molested. And so that was really hard for me to come out and say, and I Mm -hmm. held it in for years and years and years. And did you have to interact with that family member after this incident happened? Yes. Yeah, and she was 12 and I was six when it happened. And I think a lot of people, like when you read, as I do in my memoir, I go into detail about what that experience was because it's like, I can still see it. Like I can can still, my body remembers it, you know? but I think a lot of people, when they hear that age, they're like, oh, well, she was 12. Like, she was still a kid, too. But no, like, it was it was molestation. It happened. Yeah. And, yeah, I have had to interact with her. Um, she's never said anything to me about it. Like, it was something that happened, and we just never. So do you, do you still see her? Uh, I can't say too much. I okay, don't. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see her anymore. She's never met my daughter. Um, and I probably won't ever be around her again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's make- probably it's probably been like ten years since I've yeah since I've it's making me realize too like um I like I literally just had the realization right now too is like yeah everybody always thinks like oh it was an adult it was an uncle it was a whatever but it's like sometimes actually the um the people you may have to worry about are the people who are a bit younger that don't understand the the, the severity severity the, yeah. of it and so it's like there's probably like warning signs and and triggers and stuff that you might know that other people wouldn't because in my head Kayla like if your kids are around like a 12 year old or a 13 year old or whatever, like I, w- I wouldn't even think yeah. about it, but you're right. Like those yeah. are the people that might do something inappropriate mm-hmm. because of, because of their age. Right. So that's, yeah. yeah, it's, and it's like old enough where they, that person fully understood what was going on. Um, when I was t- 12 or 13, like I knew, ex- I, I knew exactly what was going on and what was inappropriate and what wasn't. Right. So right. that's really interesting. Yeah. Well, and the statistics, are like 90% of perpetrators are someone that the family knows and trusts or are a family member. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's childhood sexual abuse. So it's it's tricky. It's really, really hard as a parent too who's been sexually abused to navigate that because you don't want to live in fear. Like you don't want to constantly be on guard and living yeah. in fear. But you also are aware of the reality. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's hard. It's a tricky tricky thing to navigate yes because that's that's i'm glad you said that too because it's like 
like I'm a mom of two boys and they are 10 and 7 and mm-hmm. yeah it's hard to hear these things and not live in fear but I think there's a huge difference with just being aware and rather than being in fear every day because that could also be like a huge toll on your mental health as well right and that's probably something that you still even through therapy have to deal like do you still feel nervous to this day or have you figured out how to deal with that um it's still really hard for me to let like people watch lola like babysit her when we go on dates and stuff that Mm -hmm. like i have a very small group of people that are allowed to be with her solo Mm -hmm. yeah um and I think it's going to be really hard, like, once she's in school full time. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. it's like, her, it's a mental hurdle that I know I have to get For over. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I kind of like, and I, I have a little online course about childhood sexual abuse prevention. And I preach this motto of prepared, not fearful. So, like, we've started really young with her talking about consent and bodily autonomy. Um, and the power of her no. And when she says no, it means no, and she's allowed to be assertive in that. And so I feel like because I'm taking all these steps with her, we can be, we can feel more prepared and not as fearful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when, just going back a bit, when this happened to you, were you living in this, because you said with like your, um, you said your religion, right? was very, um, were you living in this, did you have so much guilt? And were you just like, did you look at it as like, this is my fault in a way or yeah? Yeah. So we were never like really religious, but the community that we lived in was very oh, like okay. a oh, billion okay. churches. Like okay. they talk about it in school. Like you're inundated with this purity culture. Yes. I felt a ton of shame around yeah. it. Um, and I write about that too in that chapter. Like initially when it happened, it started out as tickling and I laughed and then it progressed. And I kind of have wondered like if I wouldn't have laughed, Oh, would yes. that have yeah, not given her permission? Like six. Now, now I know. Like yeah. obviously, yes. as an adult, that's been through therapy. Like I'm not to blame at all. Yeah, that was yeah. never my fault. But at the time, yeah, I carried a lot of shame yeah. around. And so, how long ago was it that you finally? You said you told your husband like four years in. Like how long ago was this where you actually told your story and told your family and your husband? So. My therapist was the first person I told. So that would have been in 2019. Yeah. Um, And then it was like a year later that I told my husband. And then my parents, it would have been in the like last year. So this is all like super recent. It's all pretty recent. Fresh. Yeah, that people, that I started dealing with it and that people... Mm-hmm. But this and is just the beginning of your story, and I also know your story, so that's very interesting that you told your parents because because I know that your mom is a, a part of this story as well. So do you want sorry that we keep asking you so many questions, but maybe yeah, continue with that because that's a whole other thing as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So in 2010, whenever I was a senior in high school, my mom went to prison for an inappropriate relationship with a minor um, who actually happened to be my ex-boyfriend and it flipped my world our family's world upside down Um, and I've always been very close with my parents and especially with my mom like did not really see this coming at all but it sent me into like 
just a horrible state of mind. Mm -hmm. And in college, so I was navigating this, you know, huge traumatic event, the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment of being in it in a small town. Mm -hmm. And then I moved away to college and literally didn't tell anyone because I was like so ashamed and so embarrassed and I didn't want to be the girl whose mom went to prison for having an inappropriate relationship with a minor yeah and so I just tried to hold it all in and deal with it on my own Mm -hmm. which was horribly unhealthy Mm -hmm. um and you know I turned to alcoholism and um I was pretty promiscuous and just not taking care of myself and then in college, I was actually date raped. Um, oh my gosh. During this like whole process of trying to be someone other than who I was, the girl whose mom went to prison. Yeah. I know that's a lot. That's like so heavy. No, I know. No, I'm but like, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm listening to you right now, just like, and I don't even know you. And I'm just like, I couldn't be more proud of like the fact that you're just like, this is all, even though this didn't happen to you right now, that you're, everything's being resurfaced. You're now having to live through it all over again. And the fact that you had to deal with that on your own must have been the worst thing ever so the fact that you're now have the courage to like talk about this and come on our podcast like that you should be so proud of yourself like that is that is amazing that because that is just life doesn't seem fair sometimes and you have been dealt with in certain times of your life a crappy hand and you are taking this situation and turning it into something amazing and you should be so proud of that so i just wanted to say that first (laughs) um so that like got me a little bit emotional like that's like i just you're i know and then you said that and then i I know i like saw your like crazy i started feeling Um, like never does that Uh, i have a question when you were in college was your mom still um in prison when, when you were in college? Yeah, for my first year. So I literally, like they, so she was arrested in our small town and she was in county jail for a couple of weeks and then she was out on bail for the summer. And then they dropped me off at college to move in. And then the next week she had to go turn herself in to state prison. Whoa. And so every other Sunday, I would drive two hours and go visit her which is not what most college kids are doing. And you probably kept that all in, right? Like you didn't tell anyone that, that you were visiting her. Yeah. And were were you also mad at her? Like, how how did that work? Like, were you mad at your mom, but then you also love your mom, so you went and visited her? Like, what what was that feeling like? Yeah, I was pissed. Like, I was really mad. Um, She, yeah, it's, and I write about all this in the memoir too. It's, It's a lot to unpack. So she was suicidal. Um, when she found out she was going to be arrested. And so she was on suicide watch in county jail. And I don't know, it was like when it happened and I saw my dad break down telling my sibling and I about her arrest and why she was arrested. Something in me kind of shifted like, okay, you're not allowed to be a kid anymore. Like now you have to be an adult. And even though I was so angry at her, I obviously didn't want her to kill herself or in that mindset of like, there's no coming back from this. Yeah. Um, And so when we went to visit her initially in county jail, I told her like, 
I'm pissed at you. I'm yeah. mad at you, but you're not allowed to kill yourself because I'm only 18. Like I want you in yeah. my life. I have a whole life ahead of me. Yeah. So like get it together. Like we're not, you're not going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was a really hard conversation. And, you know, she apologized a lot, obviously when she was out on bail and it was awkward. It was like a teetering around each other of, okay, you really don't have a say in my life anymore because you made a terrible decision and I'm 18 and I have an attitude and I'm pissed off at the world and I'm pissed off at you. But also, holy shit, I'm going to college and I don't know what I'm doing and you're my mom. Yeah. Mom. yeah. So it was this really complicated like situation. I think when you go visit a loved one in prison, so once she was actually in state prison and you see how much it lacks humanity and how much they're treated like animals um and their dignity is taken away from them it softens your anger mm. because you know that they're just trying to survive also and so what good does piling on do at that point when you yeah. would go visit her was it like what you see in like a movie when you go and you have to like sit across the table and yeah yeah it was yeah, oh so like gosh. you're allowed to give like an initial um hug but then like you're not supposed to touch each other yeah um, they'll be like no touching or whatever in the movies or yeah. whatever, so that's real <gasps> yeah oh my god that's yeah. so, that might have that would have been so weird as a teenager yeah. to even step foot in a place like that and then especially with a, a sense you have to be like forgiving and oh my gosh i don't understand how i one human being's like brain and heart can handle all of it but you did and yeah. like i know kayla just said i i'm not gonna i could just repeat the same thing that <laughs> yeah. kayla said but like it is shocking yeah. like i know we just met but that is yeah yeah like, that's thank wild. you thank you so how long was is your mom out of prison now yeah so she yeah. was she got sentenced to i think four years but she served like a year and a half and then okay. got out on good behavior on like good, yeah and served, and then she was on probation for 10 years Okay. Uh, so she's been off probation for a couple of years now. So, yeah. and we like, we've rebuilt our relationship and it started out really rocky. Um, like when she first got out, I had a chip on my shoulder and, you know, didn't really want to listen to her. Didn't care what her opinion was. And I, I kind of go back and forth between like having moments where I completely forgot and was like, Oh, like you're my mom. Mm -hmm. And then other times where I was like, I, how dare you? Like, I can't yeah. believe I did this. Um, and I think really a big turning point was when I was pregnant and she was just obviously like there for me and held my hand through all of that. And then her relationship with my daughter is so strong. Their bond is so strong. And she's like her second favorite person outside of me. Yeah. <laughs> so that was really like the turning point for us. Yeah. How does your mom feel about the memoir? That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah, so there's been some family drama. Um, I think initially their reaction was really negative, hers and my dad's. Um, they wanted me to publish like under a pseudonym mm. or, you know, something just to not drudge everything up. And mm. I think they also were very fearful because when at first, when she was first arrested, they did get like, death threats and threatening letters and emails and things like that. But we also lived in a very small town and it was yeah. like the biggest news of the decade, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's been 13 years mm -hmm. and they haven't had any of that since my book released. So I think they're taking a breath and they're kind of like, 
okay, it's not as bad as we thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was some, there was some drama and there's still some hurt feelings and a little bit. But it's bit probably of- weird for for your mom too because she's like, okay, I I'm mad, but I also can't be mad because she, she that 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 would probably be hard, really hard for her too to be like she she feels guilty and she wants you to be able to do what you have to do because she's the one in the wrong, but she could still feel yeah that's yeah a whole other set of things yeah. yeah. So your dad and mom are still together. They are. Yeah, yeah. they are. So they. It was touch and go. I mean, I think he was kind of like, what do I do? Like when it happened. Yeah. Um, But they're still together. Like they've both been in therapy and done all the healing and they've rebuilt their relationship on healthier ground. So yeah, they're still together. They're they're high school sweethearts. You're really teaching me a lesson today about like forgiveness and, um, you know, like there is there is a chance to heal something that could be broken. And I guess like we're so used to like in our family, there's like a lot of divorce and like everybody, um, I think like all of our like aunts and uncles, like everybody has been divorced. And so it's like in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, they probably just got a divorce. But like, yeah, there is, there is room for even in super traumatic situations for, for healing and, and forgiveness. Right. And so that's really interesting because I don't think I've ever heard of anything like that, but you know, they're probably like you have your mom and dad and, and your daughter has her grandma and grandpa or whatever. What does she call them? Grandma, grandpa? Me and mom and papa. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> like she has them and they're, you know, like <clears throat> thankfully your dad made that decision to, to forgive. So that's really interesting. And yeah. so now that you've, you're recently coming out with all of this, is mm-hmm. there any part of you that, I don't know how to word this. Like, wants like you were saying how you got date raped yeah Mm -hmm. is there any part of you that like wants to tell on that person and be like like and get them in trouble or are Mm -hmm. you all about forgiveness right now and healing and I think if I could guarantee that he would be held accountable yeah but at this point I mean it's been what 10 years yeah. At this point, I feel like it would be more work and more like stress on you. Stress on me yeah. than the outcome would be for him to actually be held accountable. Yeah. I also am a big believer in karma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I kind of just think like the universe will get him. Yeah. In some <laughs> I, way or another. Yeah. You know, you know, also is like the super sad part of this all too is that like, you know Kayla and I have both dealt with stuff in our past too where it's like it's and and I'm sure so many people have gone through the same thing where it's like and that's when the the hashtag me too movement came out where it's like people don't understand like so many people say like oh you could do something about it now it's like you don't understand how difficult that is first of all statistics show probably people won't believe you and or believe me or believe Kayla or whatever and then it's like and then all the drama and stress is not worth it because that was traumatic enough in the moment yeah that if you now get it all try try and then you have to try to prove yourself and then you have to like it's just it's just and I guess yeah the what you're doing is is the the best that you can do you're making people aware of it you're talking about it and yeah, it's just, it's hard like listening, being like, 
oh, like I want that I guy to be in prison and I, I want like, you know, but yeah. what you're doing is amazing and, and that's what you need to do is just talk about it and be open about it. So what what are some things like with me, especially with me having kids, mm-hmm. what are some things you would say that like talk about the like how you are teaching Lola how to say no and boundaries and things to look for oh, yeah things to look for would be interesting because I didn't even like today my mind is blown by like the the fact that she 12, was 12 thing yeah, yeah like it's just like yeah you, it, I wouldn't even think to look for something like that yeah so I think the biggest things that you can teach your kids um is the correct anatomical term so penis and vagina get comfortable saying it don't do cutesy nicknames because it's a lot easier than for perpetrators to like make a game out of it if it's like a cutesy nickname but if your kids like no you're not allowed to touch my penis or no you're not allowed to see my vagina then the person that's trying is going to be like whoa like you've like you have taught something yeah you've taught something (laughs) yeah um teaching can sit constantly so even if it's something as little as like hey grandma's leaving do you want to give her a hug not saying you have to go give grandma a hug or you know you Mm. you have to go sit on this person's lap or whatever it's asking them for permission for any physical touch and practicing that often with everyone and you're probably going to piss some people off because there's like a generational divide yeah people are no like you have to hug grandma no she doesn't have to hug grandma like if she doesn't want to touch you physically or let you touch her she doesn't have to do that yeah um, and, and then, then just, and then that creates practice. Like just be, like I'm because sure. if someone's like give me a hug and they don't feel comfortable, they're gonna do it because they've been taught to do it. If someone that's okay, I'm yeah. guilty of that though. I always am like give nanny a hug. Like I always and they don't want to. Yeah, and then you force them to. Right, and then you're yeah. teaching them that they're when you when you force them to do that, you're teaching them that their no doesn't actually mean no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh. Yeah. And then I would say signs to look for, especially in like littler kids would be if they suddenly start like wetting the bed and that hasn't been an issue. If they're hesitant to go around certain people or certain places, um, if they have knowledge about sex that you have not taught them, that's not age appropriate. That's usually a pretty big sign. Mm -hmm. Or if they all of a sudden seem very like withdrawn. Mm-hmm. Okay. They always say like when you have littler kids, because Lola's obviously just gonna be four. Yeah, we've been practicing these things with her since she could really start talking. Um, you could always like use toys too, and like model it and make it sort of a game that way, so that it doesn't feel so much like pressure on them to to protect themselves. If yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that they don't like it doesn't always have to just be like them being scared and fearful. Like you can right. make it just like a conversation mm-hmm. and um, an educational thing where it's not like that's the one thing that I like because like it's listening to you. Like I just I, I feel like I'd just be like scared all the time. But it's like you can make it an educational thing where it's just like a normal conversation as opposed to a fearful one. And that's yeah, yeah that's really interesting. So I'm curious when you were. Um, assaulted at six Mm -hmm. did you have all of these feelings like were you scared did you live in fear or were you young enough that you were like this is normal like what were your thoughts and how can um, you even remember? I can't remember six because but, we haven't had a traumatic. But thing I bet you, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Six. I was gonna ask you, like, when you when the tr- when the trauma happens, is that why it has triggered your memory? Is that why it's because you said you could feel it, like your body, it still like uh, your body, like 
and I don't know if you've read the book, Your Body Keeps Score, like your body really does keep score. So, and it's funny because for like years and years I did repress and like I knew it happened, but I just like wouldn't think about it and like Mm. wouldn't like think about the details of what happened. But then, you know, someone makes a comment or someone touches you when you're not expecting it or you get date raped in college and then your body's like, oh, wait, like this is a familiar traumatic feeling. It comes back up. When it happened, I feel like I was at an age where I was young enough to be resilient and say like, okay, like this isn't going to ruin my life, but also old enough to know the weight of what had happened to me and i talk about like in the book she she did try one other time and for whatever reason that time when i said no she she the whole like well no one's gonna want to play with you if you don't do this like she tried to manipulate the situation and i was just kind of like i don't care and like got myself out of it and then she never tried again and was this at the same time like 12 and 6 or was this yeah yeah, this was the same So I feel like I was old enough to know, like, this is not okay. And I I can assert myself that it's happened once and I know what's coming. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First time it caught me so off guard that I was just like, like, what is happening? Yeah. Oh, and I was just going to ask you a question, but then I just answered it myself. So you, when, so your mom went to prison for that but then you told her afterwards, what was her reaction oh, yeah. to you telling her about this family member? Um, anger and I think shame that sh- like she and my dad feel like they should have done more to protect me uh-huh. at that time. And like she even said when, you know, she learned about the college date rape and my struggles in college, she was like, you know, this is all really my fault because your life trajectory would have looked different if you would have gone to college from a healthy mm-hmm. spot instead of right. trying to survive yeah. and trying to hide. <laughs> yeah. You're not okay. Yeah. Uh, so she feels a lot of guilt and a lot of shame mm-hmm. around that. And do you, I mean, you don't, remember, you don't have to answer anything you don't want to, but do you ever, like, did you ever see your ex-boyfriend that your mom, like, went to prison So I, I'm also a photographer, and I saw him at a wedding that I was photographing, like, a few years ago, but he and I, like, we just kind of, like, saw each other and just left it at that. how did that even get out that she was with him? Did he tell on her? Um, another, as far as I know, so my dad was very much like, stay off of the TV, don't watch the news, stay off social media. Like he was trying to protect us and keep us like after this had happened or you mean? Yeah. When it initially happened. And so like, I haven't ever seen her mugshot. Like I just, we were very sheltered from it initially. So my understanding is that another mom or set of moms from the community were caught wind of it and didn't mm-hmm. like my mom. And they told the authorities and then the authorities took it from there. Mm-hmm. So from the time that it happened to her getting arrested, it was like a two year gap. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. And I think someone was pissed off at her 
and knew about it and went to the authorities. Yeah. Um, and then it just kind of spiraled from there. Wow. Right. Oh my goodness. And you and you said you guys had a great relationship. Like there was nothing, no part of you that would ever think that this could happen. No, I would have never guessed that she would do what she did. Yeah. Like obviously we had our normal like teenage mother daughter yeah. like arguments like everyone yeah. goes through. But like her and my dad have always seemed so in love. Um and yeah, I just I felt so betrayed. Mm-hmm. Like because and I know like my sibling also was hurt, but it's different when it's your boyfriend. Yeah, hundred percent. So like, I felt so betrayed and kind of like, oh, like we're not mother daughter, we're not friends. You're an enemy. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's kind of how I felt initially, but I think the way I've kept myself sane is to always go back to like she wasn't mentally healthy when she made the mm-hmm. decisions that she made, and there was a lot more in her mental health struggles going on than I was aware of or realized and if I ever got to a breaking point and made a horrible decision how would I want people to respond to me would I want them to say like I'm done with you yeah or would I want them to forgive me right Hmm. and holding on to resentment and holding on to anger and hate Mm -hmm. doesn't hurt the other person it It hurts hurts you you. Yeah. yeah and so like for my own well-being mm-hmm. i had to say i'm gonna forgive and i'm gonna do what it takes to build back a relationship with her mm-hmm. and move forward i'm not gonna i'm not gonna hold on to this for my whole life so mm-hmm. you're one of the strongest kindest people i've ever met in my life and i feel like your daughter uh, it's so weird because all of this horrible stuff that has happened to you is the reason you're going to you are such a good mom like mm-hmm. your daughter is going to have like life lessons that that a lot of kids will never um be able to understand and it's and it's because of the horrible things that happened mm-hmm. to you but like she's gonna ha- she has such a good mom because of it like yeah it's so it's so weird how life works that way yeah like she's gonna grow up with like so um willing to be open and feel safe and it's just like it's just wild yeah. how you how you've turned it around mm-hmm. um it's my home. what's the oh sorry you were gonna ask a question kayla i i went. yeah oh wait what you go I, <laughs> no i did well i was gonna go into a completely different topic so okay well i w- i'm just curious what um first of all gave you the courage to finally open up about all of this because that must have been it was her therapy the therapist told you to tell everyone no that's what gave her the courage. That's what she said. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, but but that's there's a difference with going to therapy and talking to your therapist and then telling your partner and your family. Like that's huge. I think. Well, I think as far as like telling my husband Drew, it was like, okay, our marriage has been through like hell with postpartum. Like, let's just put it all out there. Yeah. So that he knows like part of the reason I'm struggling. Cause I yeah. think for him, he was like, I don't understand like why you're so anxious and like why you don't want other people to hold her and like all of these things. Yeah. So I had to open up and like tell him that. Um, as far as writing the book, it really started out as journal entries from mm. my therapy sessions. And I think the pandemic was so isolating and I felt so alone. And I just kept thinking like, other people have been through trauma. Other people have been through shitty experiences. Like I can't be the only one. Obviously my story is very unique, but like 
parts of this other people have been through. 100%. Why am I so ashamed of who I am and all of these things that have made me me? And why can't I be brave enough to say, hey, here's what I've been through. Here's how I survived. Here's how I'm healing from it. Maybe this will help you. And so that was really my goal was like, I know other people have felt isolated and alone and I don't want that for them. And so if my story can be a roadmap to forgiving mm. and healing and going to therapy and you know having the hard conversations, then amazing. And the feedback I've gotten so far has been just that, oh, which makes good. me so happy. Yeah. Initially, when you're like, I'm publishing my life story. It's yeah, like, horrifying. Yeah. It, yeah, it's like, holy shit, I'm opening myself up for a ton of criticism yeah. and negativity. And I haven't had any of that. That's which is so amazing. Been, yeah, it's been amazing. And I've had so many people reaching out like, because of you, like I'm going to therapy oh, and I'm having these conversations with my husband. And I realize I need to forgive my parent that was incarcerated yeah um, that was like my number one goal so i'm wow. so so happy that that's been the reaction this is going to be my question was yeah. how do you go about like writing a book like did you have to like call someone and be like okay i need you to write it for me or like this is i always i always compare things to like i see it in the movies but like you had these journal entries so like what do you do you call someone and then they make it better or did you just write it how does that work so i just wrote it i uh I had like been toying around with the idea of writing a fictional piece kind of about like the energetic bond that runs between all of the women in my mom's side of the family um, and just kind of like breaking those generational curses. And when I started writing it and then like thinking about where it would go next, I was like, no, like I'm writing my story. Like I'm writing a memoir yeah. and I follow well, now we're friends, but her name's Amanda Carpenter. And she has a podcast also, um, but she does mentorships and she has both self-published and traditionally published. And so, so I messaged her and was like, hey, like, I'm toying around with this. Can I send you what I have? Because I wasn't feeling very confident. Like, what if people mm. hate my writing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she, her response was like, amazing. She was like, you have to like write this. Like, I can't I believe you wrote it yourself because uh, from what from my understanding sometimes when somebody wants to write a book mm -hmm. like not everybody is like a writer so they'll they'll like sit there and tell their story to a writer and then the writer like makes it sound like bookish <laughs> or whatever right you yeah. did it you wrote it. actually wrote the book did you yes. like writing before this or yes, yeah. always oh god okay yeah and I've always thought like I want to be an author I want to publish books I just didn't know that this would be the book wow yeah, yeah. yeah. oh yeah. and that's like I feel like that's the best like that's the best kind of book ever it's just your truth and the fact that your book can help people that's crazy like that must have been such a weird feeling to for you to hear even one person being like mm -hmm. I'm now going to therapy because of you like yeah. that's wild and yeah. that's and that is just like so amazing and brave and it's yeah I'm not gonna go off again I want to see I want to see I, uh, and I the also, cover again Hold on. well and I was gonna say I'm I'm guilty I have not read your book 100% reading it after this like that is okay. <laughs> I, I like and you can just tell just talking to you like it's oh I know it's gonna be amazing and I want everyone to go and listen to this 
what are you? You're I'm, I, I just want to see. I want to like. I like to see like what people well, like that's pick her, or whatever. Little girls like the yeah. So you had so you time. had a, a photo shoot, obviously, because you look so cool. Obviously, this is a cool photo shoot because <laughs> everything is perfect in the photo. It's like like such a beautiful um, picture. You can get. How can you get your book? You can get it on Amazon. I know. Yep, that's it. <laughs> that, that's the that's the main that's where you want people to go get that's, it, right? Yeah, that's where people need to go is Amazon. Yeah. Okay, because I know sometimes people have like they don't want to sell it through Amazon or they sell it like through their own website or whatever. But you prefer so if you want yep. honeysuckle and cigarettes, you go to Amazon. Um, it, oh my god, I feel like it should be more expensive than it is. It's only sixteen ninety nine. <laughs> I feel like that's too cheap. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that's oh, is that the Canadian one? Maybe maybe it's more expensive in America. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, but anyway, I just really like the I like the cover. I like just everything that you've done with it. I can't believe you wrote it yourself. That's like and, that's so much harder than people think. You know, and what's funny is like when I first sat down, it was so daunting. But like as soon as I mapped it out and started going, it happened so fast. Like I literally started in August with like 9,000 words. And by the beginning of October, I had 60,000 words. Like, whoa, while I was working full time. So, but my husband, and he always says this too, he's like, it's always been in you. Like you're, yeah. it's your story. You just yeah. needed to get it out. Well, and so. that must have felt like super therapeutic as well, writing it all out, right? You're reliving yeah. everything and you're writing it for the world to see. Like, that must have been a whole therapy session. It's a huge, yeah. big, long journal. Yeah. I don't know why I picture you on like a typewriter. Okay. Like, I forgot, like, we have computers now, but in my head, you're like pulling each sheet out and like laying it down on top of the other one with your 60,000 words. Just a quick final question What is it? What are you doing now? to to continue improving yourself and to continue just like living this best life yeah so i'm still going to therapy mm -hmm. um, like once a month not every week anymore yeah and i meditate i i journal i do some like yoga i go to energy healings i don't yeah. know if you guys are familiar with reiki i oh, know exactly uh, yeah yeah so i go to energy healings every six months ish yeah um and yeah, I just, I think like I created the course for preventing childhood sexual abuse, like anything that I can do to like have my story have a purpose and mm -hmm. help other people, that's really helped me like remember, like it, the negative parts of it don't have to define what my life looks like. Like I can take yeah. it and turn it into something good. So yes. is that course still available? It is, yeah. It's so like if you go to my Instagram in my link tree, it's the book and the course. So there's oh, no okay. link can you say say your Instagram name for everybody to find you? It's just Cheyenne period Straub. <laughs> Cheyenne S. How do you spell it? How do you yeah. spell it? Spell it out. S H E Y A N N period S T R A U B. Someone um said to me like the, it was like a because I'm like a performer or a singer and stuff and they were like uh -huh. you always have to spell it out you're they're like you can't assume people know how to spell your name I'm like I'm so sorry so then I'm, I'm always like S-T-A-C-E-Y-K-A-Y music Stacey K music <laughs> but yeah I know I'm like so now I'm always like spell out your Instagram like I'm like yelling at people because of this thing that I learned <laughs> um, but yeah so if you visit there you can go see um, your awesome Instagram page but then also like 
like yeah like click on that link treat and, yeah. and then there's just like so so many things I feel like people have to listen to this episode and then they have to go meet you on their own kind of thing and they have to go oh. meet you and like read about it and like this like in in this like hour that we talk there's no way that it can even unpack 60,000 yeah. words you know what I mean mm -hmm. so yeah I, I can't wait to read it I know yeah. I know um did we cut you off and like did you have any more of the story like I feel like we asked so many questions but like was there any other part of the story that we missed out on no right no was none of the big stuff yeah I think we got all the the did we the meat of it yeah. <laughs> okay well thank you so much for being a part of our podcast and like yes. once again isn't it so crazy that we met less than an hour ago and like we know so much about you now and you've also like changed me as a human being within like i want to come hang like, out with you guys i'm gonna come visit you in canada oh my have you God. ever been to canada before uh, I've been to the falls. That's it. Okay. Boring. Okay. No, I like the falls. I like the falls. No, but, no, but the thing Such is... Such like a tourist thing, you no, know? No, but also the falls is American as well. Like, the well, falls is on the other no, side. No, but she could have came to the... You I went to the, the Canadian, Canadian side. Yeah. Which is the better side. There we go. It actually <laughs> is the better side because the American side just is the falls and then the Canadian side, they made it like a cool, like, tourist thing. Yeah. Um. So you've only been to Niagara Falls. You have to come to, like, Toronto and then you can come... Like your your kids can be friends with Kayla's, and then you can meet our dogs. Do you have a, Do you have any animals? We have two dogs, two golden doodles. <gasps> really? Oh, I have a golden retriever, and I have two Frenchies. <laughs> so, <laughs> so bring your husband and your dogs and your kids too, <laughs> and your siblings. <laughs> um, no, we love it. You're such an awesome person yeah, to talk to. Yeah, you're so awesome. You're you're what I like to call fast friends. I feel like we're fast friends. So come to Canada and and we'll also travel to the US. Like we do that. Perfect. Sometimes sometimes I do shows actually in the US. So like if I'm near you, I'll let you know too. Yes. Um please. okay, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Make sure to follow her, read her amazing memoir and take the course and become a new person like we are today. So thank <laughs> you so much Cheyenne for sharing your story and We'll talk again. Thank you guys so much. I have to call my sister. When you rate, review, subscribe, it helps us out. Cause we love what we do without a doubt. So we wanna thank you for taking the time mo. So here we go, we bustin', we bustin' around mo. This is our podcast, we're here to stay. My name is Kayla, this is Stacy K. Okay, that uh. I have to call my sister. Hey, hey, you there? Kayla, stop. You heard it here first. Okay, never mind. We're not doing you the rap anymore. did here first. Oh, my God. That's what I'm talking about. Hey-ho. Uh.